welcome to another episode of Rainbow Popcorn, the podcast reviewing camp classics and queer cinema. We are in a new Two Brothers Entertainment studio. Yes. Hello, Brett. Hello, Lee. How are you? How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Um, new studio. New studio. We've gone... You'd up. never guess it was my garage. We've upgraded? Well... It's interesting because we've upgraded in equipment but downgraded in location. Yeah. We have gone from a lounge room. We look like full. When I pulled up to your house and the garage was open, yeah. looked like fucking full influencer shit in here. Look, this is like Mr. Charles school photo type lights. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've gone from lounge room and Kmart lights mm. to... Garage and wish lights and <laughs> Amazon lights. Mm. Um, they're still made in China, so one remote control accidentally can control both lights. Yeah. It's Before I tried easy. to turn one on, yeah, I turned one on right, and then when I went to turn the other one on, it turned that one on and this one off. Right. So there's a bit of control it's having to control go on. Issues. Um, but we are here uh, and we've re- we've started recording two drink cinema episodes in this studio. Yeah. The movie we're discussing oh. today is Disclosure. Yes. Uh, which is a Netflix documentary. The first documentary since Stonewall that we have reviewed. <laughs> Rainbow Shut Popcorn. Up. Fucking I'm oh. glad that Stonewall got a pounding in this movie. Oh, pun I intended. Like, I, I, yeah, I laughed. I was like, fuck yes. I was right. watching it going, I'm like, okay, they've done this, they've done this, they've done this. They better fucking get to Stonewall. <laughs> One of my favourite headlines of all time is still, and will forever be, director of worst gay film of all time gets married. <laughs> it's oh. fucking terrible. And I apologise to everybody that we started this series of Rainbow Popcorn with that film. Oh, gosh. But since we've done others, and now we are doing Disclosure. So the documentary is... Disclosure. About... Trans lives on screen. Trans Please. lives and trans representation uh, in Hollywood, um, in cinema, in TV, in modelling, in media. Yeah. So it was originally pre- premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, January 2020, and then it was picked up by Netflix and released on their streaming platform. Um, speaking of the sub the subheading of it, yep. Can I make a criticism? Ooh. It could have been subtitled "Disclosure: The Laverne Cox Story." Okay. okay. <laughs> Disclosure: What Laverne Cox thinks about trans lives on screen? She's great, and obviously Laverne Cox is great, and a lot of icon, yep. trailblazer, yeah. And in terms of establishing and you know, making it possible for so many other trans actors to be able to do what they're doing. I think that it had, she was the first one that kind of went mainstream and somebody will probably correct me, um, recurring in a big way. Like they mentioned the other people like Trace Lissette and Candace Kane and Alexandra Billings. Yes. That had been on TV before, but Alexandra, they all said pretty much themselves, was like, oh, I died on three different medical shows or I played prostitute number one, streetwalker number two, yeah, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, Jas- Jasmine was like, I played prostitute in this show, yeah. I played streetwalker yeah. in this show, I played dead hooker on this show. <laughs> yeah. And then who was the one that died the same way in two different shows oh, at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I can't remember their name. Um, yeah, obviously Laverne Cox is Laverne Cox and yeah. and she is essentially the poster child of trans actors at the moment. Alexandra and certainly Gray. Oh, I went to a school with an Alexandra. <laughs> um, in the last decade, Laverne Cox has been essentially the pinnacle and the poster child of trans yeah. actors and trans representation on screen. One thing I thought was interesting is that they they were very critical. The, the trans people that were interviewed mm. were very critical of the representation, which is understandable because it's yeah. not good generally. I think the thing that was interesting as well, I thought that they were at times critical of things they had done themselves. 
Yes. But I, th- I was always like, but that's because there was, you know, nothing. No options. Get a job doing anything else. No. And like the role of Numi in Sense8 yeah. wasn't an option to someone in the 90s. Yeah. So they had to be dead Short trans hooker. Out. Yeah. Um, and so I think that as a comparison was very good. And obviously, you know, Lily Wachowski creates the character of Numi Harris, as she said herself, because of her own transness and her own journey and her own lack of seeing herself on screen. Mm. Um, But I think they occasionally, before I go too far, obviously the trans journey is not our journey. Yes. So we are coming at this from a different perspective and I'm not criticising any of what these trans people are saying about the trans representation because obviously that's not my journey. Yeah. And that's not my thing to comment on. But to the one thing that kind of I, I questioned a little bit was like, Oh, the Laverne Cox character in Orange is the New Black is great because she's a trans actress playing a trans character, mm-hmm. but she's still a criminal. Like, everyone yeah. in the show's a criminal? I like that comment, whoever made that. She's not... She's still, it was like, oh, but she's still a problem to society. Yeah, like, so is everyone in that show. But wouldn't the problem... But it's still... They didn't see the positive thing of it was still progressive enough to have a trans woman in a woman's prison. Yeah. And like another one of the, another one of the interviewees said as a person of color, the hairdresser, the pinnacle, the pinnacle. Yeah. She's still a problem. Everyone in that sees everyone in that show. Yeah. Other than Jason Biggs. Is a criminal. Oh well, yeah. I haven't watched it. Yeah, I just know that he's not in the women's prison. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, he's yeah. a problem for what he's done to baked goods, but that's a separate <laughs> issue with Jason Biggs. Um, yeah, and I think that again, the trans people have a different life and a different story. Yep, and then a different way at how they look at things. But it was the blurring of lines between trans depictions and ge- general, like, cross-dressing on film. And yeah. Like, you know, when they show clips of Tootsie. Yeah, or something. I'm surprised something like Some Like It Hot, which we've reviewed in Two Drink Cinema, yeah. didn't come up. Yeah. Because... I do think, and obviously, like I said, this is different because I'm not a trans person watching Some Like It Hot or Tootsie, which we've also reviewed for Two Drink Cinema. But I think, I did think that early on in the documentary in that like there's a difference between Dustin Hoffman cross-dressing to get a job and Dustin Hoffman pretending to be a trans woman as an actor to play a trans woman in Tootsie. Do you know what I mean? Yes. There's a different. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman, Tootsie isn't a trans woman. It's yeah. Dustin Hoffman cross-dressing to get a job, which is an issue, obviously. And they said mm. trans. We even said in our episode. Yeah. From Two Drinks in a Month. Trans women have had to pretend to be something else. Yes. In order to get jobs. Yeah. And there was the whole thing of being stealth. Yeah. And the difference between, I can't remember her name, which is terrible, and I should have written it down. Um, That one actor who didn't come out as trans until much, much later. Yeah. She was stealth. Sandra Caldwell? Yeah, I think, yeah, her. She was. Who was outed in the New York Times? Yeah. Yeah. She was stealth that whole time until people like Laverne Cox were more out there, openly trans actors. Mm. And. But but I think there there is a I thought early on in watching the documentary that there is a difference between cross dressing in movies, some like it hot, Tootsie, Mrs. Doubtfire, all of which we've done on Two Drink Cinema, <laughs> and 
trans people being misrepresented. Yes. Ace Ventura. Yeah. Horrendous. But I think that the, the, the crying game. Like coming at it was, was almost that it was like a part of it was the way that it was used comedically when men dressed up as women because it was being like, oh, why would a man do that? Yeah. So that, so early on I was like, well, there's a difference between Mrs. Doubtfire and Ace Ventura. And there is. But then the more... One's, like, one's good and the other one's Ace Ventura. Yeah. Then the what they elaborated on as the documentary went on was that things like Mrs. Doubtfire meant that when... Laverne Cox walked down the street dressed in women's clothes. People laughed at her. Yeah. Because a man dressed as a woman is just a joke. Yeah. And there was the same that one person who commented and said they came out and they referenced um, Science of the Lambs. Yeah. And we're like, that's what you think this is? Yes. But I think the, the, the quote that well, I might say that for when we get to the dialogue bit, I guess. Um, of the pride score. I would say, you know, it's, I definitely learned something watching this, which is what a good documentary should do. Yes. And it also did kind of change the way I look at things. I think one of the main, especially when we get to a point when they talked about um, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. I think the main overall point that it makes for non-queer people. So, right, us going into it, mm-hmm. we've talked already in the episodes of Rainbow Popcorn and we've mentioned it because the R in Archie Q. De Niro on Two Drink Cinema is representation. We've talked about the you can't be what you can't see yes. thing and it broadened my thinking of that in terms of... Yeah, and I even had one question. So let mm, <laughs> let's get into the scale of things, all right. okay? All right. So all of our rainbow popcorn movies we rate on the pride scale. Yes. All right. And if you've listened to Drink Cinema, you know that we enjoy creating acronyms to suit our purposes. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully. We managed to fit a one into pride. Went into pride. We started with the word and then fit the things in, yeah. not the other way around. So the P <laughs> of pride is presentation. Yeah. It's hard to talk about presentation of a documentary because it's a point of camera at someone and they talk thing. Yeah. I think the, the presentation that was good was they showed clips of certain movies and TV shows, especially at the end. Yeah. I thought when they were showing, like, this, these are the things that are happening now, or the yeah. more recent yeah. stuff and how much there was of it, I thought that was good. I, you know, as like you said, it's um, fucking... Chaz, Point of camera. It's Chaz Bono sitting in a room. Yeah. Great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's everybody sitting in essentially the same room. Yeah. I think they also did well in choosing a clip that is relevant to what the person is saying. Yes. So when they do, when they interview a person from that movie, they've picked the the section, yeah. the clip from that like movie that Ka- matches yeah. the point. Like when Candace Kane was talking about when she was in CSI. Yeah. They showed that clip and we all went, oh, that's fucking dumb. Yeah. And so did she. Yeah. <laughs> And then they obviously picked the clip where they lowered her voice an octave in Dirty Sexy Money. Which was kind of hilarious. But they did that well because they weren't like, hey, they lowered my voice an octave and then played the clip. They played the clip and I went, is her voice lower? Yeah. And then she went, they lowered my voice two octaves. I'm like, oh, fuck. So they did do that. (laughs) Which is... As a filmmaker, you can kind of think, yeah, well, I've got to make this point. But the point of the documentary is a, do you really need to make this point? And can you you do it in a better way? Yeah, make it a better way. Yeah, don't have Billy Baldwin. Don't, but then it's like, it's that 
balance of then it becomes the nip tuck reveal at the end thing but then nobody would be disgusted by it yeah i feel like there's a few shows i want to watch now because of this like i feel like i want to watch dirty sexy money to see how they actually do portray that character and that relationship yeah I, I at least it's not watch Nip Tuck. At least it's not Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Alec, Alec, Was that Flintstones 2, Viva Rock Vegas, Stephen I think Baldwin? It's Flintstones what? Oh god. Um, he plays um, Barney. Barney Rubble. Yeah. Then who's the poor version of Billy Baldwin that's in <laughs> Viva Rock Vegas? Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, oh, no. We just did our Aladdin recording before <laughs> this one. Yeah, so presentation is... It's good. It's good. I I think they... It's well shot. It's well I think edited. they had... Yeah, I think, and I think they had a good balance between talking heads, not the band, mm-hmm. and clips. Yes. Which in a documentary on film mm. is a something you need to balance. Yeah. Um, there were people that just popped up for one bit, like Chaz Bono's like, yeah, I did this. Bye. Yeah, becoming Chaz. MJ Dumb. Rodriguez is like, I'm in pose. Bye. The lawyer came in very late. Yeah. And brought up a very strong point <laughs> and had about a minute and a half. Yeah, it's like, that's all? That's all I'm in? I made some great points during the show and that's all they did? Yeah. I've talked to you for an hour and a half. <laughs> You've given me one point. Presentation. I'm going to get to that in um, another point, though. Um, presentation, though, I think it's a. It's hard to score it's a like, documentary I, low. Yeah, it's, it's a four. Like, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. The R in pride is for representation. Yes. Um, I didn't see a trans man until about 25 minutes in. Yeah. I don't think mm. the intro was very trans woman focused, which became a little bit clearer as the documentary went on. Yeah. It was a little bit like trans men are less sensational and less comedic than trans women. I, but then I thought it was also like to make the point that trans masculine people aren't represented as much in media but then you also didn't represent them that much in your own documentary about it? I would have, because I'm sure there are trans men right now who are struggling to get parts. Because the people aren't writing them. Because people aren't writing them for trans men the way they're writing them for trans women. Because even earlier on, the stories of... Trans hookers. a sex worker or yep. whatever... The trans yeah. wasn't trans men didn't do that. No. So if you think of back time and trans men and blah blah blah, it's boys don't cry. Yeah, and that was played by a cis woman. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um. And they talked about boys don't cry a lot, and talked about it very well. Yeah. Which I agree with. Okay. I haven't seen it before. So, I I just know bit I know about it. Yeah, well, I know about it. It's like <laughs> when they brought up the crying game, I know what it is. The the chick in the crying game is really a guy. <laughs> Thanks, Mick Wimby. <laughs> That's the, my only knowledge of crying game. <laughs> is that quote in The Simpsons? From watching oh this documentary, I've seen more of the crying game than yeah. I ever have. Gosh. All right, I think it is, you know, it, they did, this is, it, they did represent the representation well in terms of, like, how it started. Yeah. Then how it's come, become and what it's become and there's more of it and so it's better and it's more <laughs> trans people telling trans stories than Ryan yeah. Murphy telling trans stories. One of the interesting things I think that it showed about trans masculine and trans men people is the the few clips they kind of showed of trans men was a trans man actor playing a firefighter. 
you know, so a very masculine they're playing a person. very masculine person. Yeah. And so the main trans act, trans men actors they showed were playing almost a hundred percent cis presenting characters. Yes. Okay. Which and one of the you know debates about trans thing is the point of trans isn't to become cis presenting, mm. whereas a lot of the trans female trans women characters weren't necessarily a hundred percent cis presenting. You know. Yes. Right. In Dirty Sexy Money, she was playing a trans woman. Yeah. Whereas. He was playing a male firefighter. But he's... He in he is he, a trans actor, yes. Yeah, but he's a trans character in that show. Yeah, but I think the extent to which the, the cis-presentingness yeah. is a little bit further and, and perhaps has to be a little bit further for a trans man at the moment than a trans woman. Right, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think so. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is I only learnt through this documentary that... Jerry Springer was a terrible show. It's very problematic. <laughs> I already knew that. I grew up in the 90s. Um, <laughs> but it was good shit. Oh, God. That and Judge Judy. That was an afternoon okay. done. I miss Ricky Lake. And Ellen abusing people off, off camera. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Chella Man, I didn't know... Was gender diverse. Chella Man. So Chella Man is. It's quite a list. It is um, gender non binary, oh, Chinese Man. American Jewish uh, deaf. So ah, in, right. Okay. So in terms of minorities. So his, his inter- intersectionality. He's ticked all the boxes. Their intersectionality. intersectionality. I didn't know yeah. until this documentary that. Chella Man was trans. It says Chella Man is an Asian American actor, model, artist, YouTuber, and LGBTQ activist. He is known for sharing his experience as a transgender, deaf, genderqueer, Asian, and Je- Jewish person of color. Yeah. So ticking all the intersectionality boxes. I didn't know until this documentary that Chella was trans. Right. And. One of my questions is, is that what we're aiming for? So I saw Mm. Chella play a cis male character in DC's Titans. Right. So Chella plays the son of Deathstroke. Right? That's all. Yeah, I know. But in the episodes I've watched, at no point is the son of Deathstroke trans. Okay. So it's not a trans character necessarily. Is that what we're aiming for? Or are we aiming for trans people to play trans people? I think the aim is to first get trans representation better, which it has become. You have trans people telling trans stories played by trans people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Not Eddie Redmayne. No, not Eddie Redmayne or the chick from Nip Tuck. Can't remember her name. Famke Jansen, yeah. Famke Jansen? Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's, I think, what one of the goals is, to get more representation as well. Um, I I don't think, I don't think having trans people playing cisgendered characters is a goal. I think it's something that could happen. I just thought it was quite interesting that that was something that has happened. Yes. I had no idea, and I just thought Chella Man was another hot boy in the long list of hot boys that's in DC's Titans. Yeah, well... And he is. Yeah. It's like Without Teen, knowing that... It's like Teen Wolf. They didn't meant to hire so many they queer did. people. They, they, they just all happened to be good-looking. And most of them were gay. Yeah. They hired lots of good-looking boy people. Yes. Um, so I, I don't think... We still have our Arthur representations. Yes, but I, I think that it's a thing that is, they shouldn't... 
trans people shouldn't only exclusively be able to play trans characters. Yes. And at the same time as we want to move away from cis people playing trans people, yep. we want to open up the opportunities for trans actors. Yes. There is no reason in my mind why Laverne Cox can't play a cisgender woman. Yes. I'm not sure there Laverne is no... Cox could because she is such an icon as a yeah. trans actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not like people would be worried about if they look feminine enough because she looks more feminine than Glenn Close. Oh. Who then played a man. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something the other day with Barbara Hershey in it. Oh, was it and Beaches? I, no. And I remember me saying, oh, I'm not sure about Barbara Hershey being in Fatal Attraction, but then I saw her in this other thing, Insidious. one? Oh. That was Insidious. Terrible movie. Mm, okay. Um which is very disappointing because it's directed by James Wan and written by Lee Winnell, like Saw, which is incredible. Oh, right. And I realised... But then you, it's terrible, like Saw 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6. If you want to get a franchise, yeah. write a mediocre horror film. Yeah, done. Because they will or 100% action hero give you a movie. franchise. Yeah. Write a comic book movie or write a 60 out of 100 horror movie. Yeah. And they'll give you a franchise. Because yeah. Insidious is crap. Mm. But there's four Insidious movies. Yeah. Anyway, Barbara um, Hershey was good in that. Yeah, good. She's not trans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. um, I think it is a good discussion on how tr- the representation in media has become better. And that they showed a bit, particularly Niptuck. Yeah. Um, about how Ryan Murphy as a LGBTQ director, pretty whatever the fuck you want to call him, all of the above, didn't still didn't represent the transgender part of the alphabet mafia. Well, then I think they followed on well from that by showing the people that led Stonewall that weren't actually the twink in the Stonewall yeah, movie. in the movie. Yep. Um, that was then, like, you know, Marsha P. Johnson. Mm. But then they showed that speech of, like, I have lost... Sylvia Rivera. Yeah, yeah. I have lost jobs, and yeah. I have lost relationships, and yeah. I have lost this for gay rights, and now you're all fucking booing me on stage. Yeah, and I think it was interesting somebody said... I can't remember who it was. Assimilation is... An American narrative and trans people make it really difficult for some people in the queer community to assimilate. Yeah. I, I find it obviously this documentary is not about the non binary thing. No. But I find that they did, you know, kind of head that kind of idea of assimilation. Mm is that the non-binary thing is non-assimilation. Because this binary idea of gender is the cis-presenting trans person. Yeah. like the the, And the living stealth Mm. thing is still trying to be not the gender you were assigned at birth, but in order to survive, which comes up a lot in the documentary... You needed to live stealth, so because you, you still needed to fit that binary idea of yes. gender. Yeah, and a lot more trans people now are not living stealth, mm. and they're not working to live in that binary idea of gender. And the non-binary mm. thing, I think, is something that you know there could be another one of these documentaries about in a few years' time. Yeah. One interesting thing in terms of representation that I wrote about was they talked a lot about the 80s in terms of girls pretending to be boys. And a couple yeah. of sitcoms and movies they mentioned they mentioned specifically. And one quote was like, the conflict is the lie instead of just having a conversation like normal people. We've watched a lot of sitcoms together. Like, that's the point of sitcoms. That's a lot of movies. Like, we're watching Cheers at the moment. Yeah. And if Sam and Diane just had a conversation, 
the 22 minute episode would take two minutes. Yeah. Well, the, the first six seasons would take. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and while that is, and I, I think the overall thing of the documentary is that while that is a trope of sitcoms, mm. what they do with the trans thing, they did it badly. Yeah, and I think that's the quote that stood out to me, which will come into dialogue, is it's just that it's a one-word solution to the problem and the word is more. Yeah. And the quote was, the occasional clumsy representation won't matter as much because it won't be all that there is. Yes. And in the case of those 80s TV shows and movies, the boy pretending to be the... The girl pretending to be the boy Mm. to get ahead... But then as soon as they meet a boy they like, yes. they revert back they to revert being back a girl. To, yeah. And a few of the people that were talking about it was like, that invalidates the trans experience. Yes. Because we're not just pretending to be a boy to meet someone. No. And then we can't just revert back mm. for the sake mm. of a relationship. Mm. And so while that misunderstanding might and the lie might create conflict or be hilarious, depending on yes. your genre. Yeah. Um it's not done well in the case of gender changing characters. Mm. Um, but that's us just talking about representation in media, which without without rating, the representation, the representation of, the disclosure. of the documentary. Disclosure. I think they did have a good balance of um, people. I think and relative... they had a good balance of like actors, actresses, producers, writers, historians, trans men, trans women, people of colour, yeah, all that. And I think relative to the amount of representation of trans women to trans men, that did seem to equate to the representation within the documentary. Yes, there were only what like five trans men in the thing. There are a few more, but in terms of trans men actors. The trans, like the head of the GLAD corp, yeah. um, incorporation, whatever you want to call it, um, was trans man. There was a trans man lawyer. Yeah. But the trans man actors, actresses, were outweighed women to yes. men. But that's the case of the media. The trans guy that was on Survivor, you know. Yeah. So I think that's probably fair. Um Overall, for the R score, I would give it a four. Yeah, I was thinking of a four as well. Yeah. It did represent different races and cultures well also. Yes. So a four. Yeah, there you go. The I in Pride is for iconicness. Took us a long time to get through those first two letters. Yes, it did. Um, iconicness, it's hard. It's only two years old. It's only two years old. I think it's kind of iconic in that, you know, was it Sundance, which is a big thing. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's really that many documentaries like it that talk about that subject matter. And I think it's talked about it within the mainstream. It's not a queer documentary made for queer people. Yes. I think it's... this, And this will come up a lot, the, the palatability mm. of it. I think it's presentable to a non-queer audience. Yeah. And I think, like I said at the start, a lot of the representation thing and the importance of representation we understand yep. as LGBTQI people, but non-queer people don't necessarily understand and I think it tells that bit well. So I think it's good in that sense. Yes. Iconicness, It's you're right, it's hard to say because it's new. I think they interviewed some iconic people. I don't, I don't know, I'm just trying to... I, look, I'll give it a two and a half. I'll give it a two. And when we review it again in five years, I'll review yeah. the iconic score on yes. it. The D is for dialogue. Usually we, when we do this, we talk about the script and how well it was acted. Yeah. I was, these people Good seem actors. quite genuine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that 
some of the points some of them made, they spoke so bloody well. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that Jen Richards... I'm like, I'm so... I felt stupid listening to her. Yeah. They all spoke very well, and they all told their stories very well. Some of the things I wrote down... Here we are, we've always been here. Mm. And I think that's, you know, trans representation is increasing. But I think one of the things that, you know, they're almost battling against is like, oh, why? where have these trans people all of a sudden come from? Well, it was even like the older trans actress, I forgot her name already, Sandra something. Yeah. Um, she, you know, struggled. And then she was like, I saw... Laverne Cox and, and then another one and she's like did we overcome and nobody told me <laughs> what, are all, what are all these kids doing <laughs> but in the like the, the the cisgendered people a lot of them are saying where did all these trans people come from yes and a lot of the point that the people made in the documentary was that like no no we've always been here you're just it's actually starting to see some authentic representations of us on screen yeah and I think that, you know, the thing that got me, when you're the member of a marginalised community, most of the film and television isn't made with you in mind. Well, and that joins to the quote that I said, did anyone writing this story think about the trans people watching? Yeah, yeah. I think that was that Law and Order storyline. Or it was the Nip Tuck storyline. Yes. Like... Well, I love that the Candace Kane was funny as well. Yeah. Um, when she was talking about when she was on CSI and it was like, ooh, you she was better dead. change it to a John Doe. Yeah. And she was like, I just wanted to sit up and be like, guys, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, did anyone writing this storyline think about the trans people watching it? I'm pretty sure someone said that about the Nip Tuck storyline. But mm. that could be applied to the... To the CSI storyline. Yeah. To the Law and Order storyline. Yeah. Um, to the changing... To the crying game. To the crying game. To the changing of the voice in yes. Dirty Sexy Money. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I wrote that one down. Um, but I think that's what... That's the good thing to, like, why representation is important. And yeah. why, you know... It, and it's not always having the representation on the screen, but behind the scenes as well. Yeah. Is that if you're if you're making a if you're making a queer movie or a trans movie to actually have people like even just as bloody consultants or whatever however you want to call them. Yeah. To talk about it, you know. And they talked a lot about the making of transparency. If they had that on Stonewall, maybe one person would have said that that white guy, no, that wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> Change that. But then you'd think a gay director well, would be the go. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> have a little bit more of a look into it. I keep forgetting he's gay because Sorry, he made that headline. Yeah. We're director of worst gay movie of all time. <laughs> Ties the knot this summer. Yeah, um, there you go. And that goes into the other quote that I wrote. It was like, I had to see it, and now that I have, I want that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I think that sometimes when... Overly intellectual people talk about things. Yep. They overanalyze things. I wrote one quote about that. Mm. And it was an old movie. Like, yes, D.W. Griffiths is racist. He's problematic. In, he's more than problematic. Yeah. He was not good. Yes. Despite the fact that he was obviously pioneering early cinema. Yeah. The, the, the way he told stories, other than using film, was not good. Mm, mm, mm. But the analyse analysis... When I was in high school, I used to think analysation was a word. Analysation, yeah, right. And took, how did you go in uh, literature? <laughs> yeah, not well. Um, it took a year nine English teacher a lot of work to really work me out of the word <laughs> analysation. The analysis by one... You're thinking of saying that this, <laughs> this gender queer character and that the D.W. Griffith film mm. happened to come in the scene yeah. after the first ever 
cut yeah. of film mm. somehow makes a trans character over this death scene. Yeah. Trans equals death. I, I was and like... A little bit much. Yeah, it, that was one of those moments that whoever it was that was talking about, I was like, you've lost me. I, I, I can't. The nah. quote is, this cut figure, the eunuch, is presiding over the invention of the cut in cinema. Yeah, bit of, bit, yeah, bit of a longbow. So the, the cut, the, that cut in cinema, which we see a lot now, is someone dies and the film cuts to something else and we just know that they die. Yeah. In this D.W. Griffith film, a genderqueer character happens to be there. Yes. Is that the first representation of the cut scene meaning death, meaning genderqueer people means death? Yeah, it was a bit much for me, that bit. Yeah, that, that's probably the longest bow that's been, that was drawn in the documentary. <laughs> that's true. I think. And there were a few, but that's the one that I really kind of didn't go along with. But, yeah. D.W. Griffith, no good. Yeah, well, we can all agree on that. Yes. What else have you had in dialogue? I just think it's obviously very well spoken. It, it is just a bit over analysed a bit much, I think. Um, yeah, and, and I think part of the over-analysis, over-analysation, comes from the fact that there's this is it. Yeah, like all of these people have not had an opportunity to present their analysis. Yes. So they're presenting all of it. Yeah, I like... As far the, as they can. I did like the um, thing somebody said, I think it was Zeke said about the L word and how they made they finally put a transmasculine character in there. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't him. But from a lesbian lens. Yeah. So that they would what he said was like trans men were seen as betraying betrayers of feminism. Well there was that whole scene that yeah. they showed from the L word of like yeah. you're losing the You're best losing thing. the best thing. What my vagina also the acting was bad in that scene. Yeah. Um, and also that person in the L word. Not Max. great. Uh, but I also, but also like, it also looked like the acting in the crying game wasn't too flashy. But also, <laughs> if you're casting a trans mask person, like if you're creating a trans mask character, yeah. don't name them Max. Like, that's lazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, we're going to have a mask character. It's what are we going to call them? <laughs> what about we call them Mask? Oh, no, I mean Max. Max. Did you say Max? Yeah. No, I said Max. Yeah, yeah, Ma- yeah, 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 Max. Let's yeah. go with Max, Max for Max. And put a little goatee on them, and then they're, they're masculine. <laughs> but no, it's it's very interesting, and uh, it goes kind of back to what you were saying about the, the LGB people not necessarily representing the T. Yeah. And they talked about it in the documentary as well, about that often some of the worst hatred towards trans people yes. comes from gay men yeah. or cis lesbian women. Yep. And I don't want to get, you know, too political about it, but the acceptance within the community of the whole community yes, is, is occasionally problem. limited. Occasionally, and, yes. Yeah. I'm being kind. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you do need to watch everything with the understanding of the lens. Yeah. So you need to watch the L word is written, produced by lesbians. So this is how they're going to present men and then trans men. I'm not, this isn't a criticism, but Lily Wachowski or the Wachowskis now are making films as trans people. And so that's a little bit of a different yes. lens. Yeah. And Lily even said herself in the documentary even though, as much as people have now added a trans allegory onto Neo, yeah, it wasn't written with that intention, mm. but because they were both battling with their transness so much, it is in there. Yeah. It's that lens. Subconsciously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's um, good dialogue. One thing that came in late, though, in terms of interview was the lawyer. That lawyer, yeah. Yeah, and he made a really good point. He was like, are we still just elevating the few? Like, Laverne Cox, great. She's doing great. Yes. Lily Wachowski, great. Yeah. But 
when it is pushed onto people who can't handle it, your bigots and your rednecks, they don't have access to rail back at Lily Wachowski. So they rail back at the trans person they see on their subway car. Yeah. And all of this media representation is great. But are we at the point now where that needs to be pushed into more legal protection and legal, in some parts, still legal recognition? Yeah. Um, and I felt like that came in a little bit late. Yeah. And a little bit... Especially... Let's just chat to him and move on. Just jointed, because I feel like somebody made that point about there is a correlation between the increase in... Um, representation in the media and the increase in crimes against trans women. Yeah. At I feel the like start. that was made early on. Yeah. And then this... And then didn't come up until the lawyer at the end. Yeah. And I do think that's a big issue that probably needs to be addressed and people smarter than us will address it. Yeah. Because we're just two blokes sitting in a garage. Which I'm <laughs> pretending that analysation is a word. Hey, analyzation. For dialogue, I'm going to give it a three point seven five. I'm going to give it a four point five. I'm going to make mine a four then. Okay, gosh. Because well, I'm going to make mine a five. <laughs> it was very well. Everyone was very well spoken, and all of their points were very well made. There were yep. just a couple of points that I felt could have been made a little bit more strongly. They could have been made strongly, or they did... A couple of long bows. Mine time, yeah, they did kind of... Um, yeah, go over... over yeah, which I think people do sometimes. Oh, Some yeah. people think that it's inappropriate for me to say that Elsa's a lesbian. But hey, facts are facts. Um, Elsa and Frozen. That's Elsa what I'm talking about. Elsa who? Elsa's, Elsa's, a, Elsa's a lesbian. I say she's singing this Elsa? mystic... The, let it go. The fucking actual main I don't know. Character. I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I don't have children. I need to, and I do. Let it go. Let it go. Is Adele Dazeem Elsa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's yeah, a lesbian. I haven't seen it, but I so agree She's never married. And she has this, like, bit in the, in the second one. It's even more prevalent. Anyway... Olaf trans or Olaf is uh, non-binary. <laughs> it's a fucking snow person. It's a snow person. Yeah. Frozen three. Olaf the snow person. Yeah. Entirety is Entirety. what the E in pride stands for. Yes. I've said a few things. I would say if it's a, I think it's a good encapsulation of many of the issues. Of trans representation and representation in visual media as a whole. I think it did, and there were bits of it that showed people trying to learn and change, like Ryan Murphy in particular going from Nick Tuck to then co creating Pose, which is much more authentically trans. Yeah, and I. Uh, that's one of the points that I kind of wrote down about is that people that they did end by saying people have learnt and people have developed their ideas and Oprah and Ryan Murphy were their yeah. examples Katie Couric was Curry. in there as well yeah. um, that seems a bit disingenuous to me though yeah she's like oh people are talking about this I'm going to get Laverne Cox back on because people will watch this it this needs to be a learning experience Carmen, Car- Carmen Carrera didn't show up again no <laughs> I wouldn't have um, it's yeah and and then that made me think a little bit about the the, the cancel culture thing yeah is that if Oprah had said that early question about bits. Yeah. Now, she'd be cancelled. She'd be cancelled. Not Oprah, you know, she's worth billions of dollars, but yeah. someone of the level of Oprah back then yeah. now had asked that question, she'd be cancelled. Mm. Ryan Murphy making that storyline in Nip Tuck now, cancelled never makes anything ever again. Yes. I, I, think it's, I, I think it's really important to give people the opportunity to learn. Yeah. And it... 
can be a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. You're cancelled. Yeah. (laughs) Fool me twice, you're cancelled. Fool me once, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Fool me twice, you're cancelled. Nip tuck, very problematic. Glee, slightly less problematic. problematic. Pose, great. Pose, American Horror Story, it's a mess. Gross. It's a mess. He does things, Ryan Murphy, this is just a general comment. He, because a lot of the shows he made, TV shows, kind of overlapped, right? Yeah. So, like, Glee went for a few seasons, then he started American Horror Story, went for a few seasons, then he starts Pose, whatever, right? And, like, Glee was good for the first couple of seasons until he started American Horror Story, then it went shit. Then American Horror Story was good until he started Pose, then it went shit. It's like, I only have time for one, but I'm going to keep these going in the background. That's me a bit. Um... (laughs) I but feel with like, less money. I feel like with Glee, I think if you just watch Glee as a pure piss take of high school, which is not necessarily mm. what it is. It's what it's... I feel like Glee started as a general piss take of these people in high school. Yeah. Right? And the idea of a show choir. Yeah. Then it started taking itself a bit too seriously. No, but I think, you know, one of the things of the problematic is the way that the principal talks about the students. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you watch it as a dark comedy piss take of high school... Yes. You can kind of go, that's a bit funny. Mm. But I'm not sure that was what it was fully intended to be. When you put that into a, like, teenage kids are watching this because it's about show choir. Yes. You know, not so much. If you go American Horror Story show choir... Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> but that's not I can't wait for the next one. I cannot it's wait. Season 10. Liam American Horror Story Show Choir. Chris Colfart is going to go straight for Leah Michelle. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. They, and I'll get the lead. They'll just be fucking... No, no. Artie in a wheelchair sitting there going like... No. I get the solo now? Real life. Oh, he had a go at her, didn't he? He is Ooh, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> Which is interesting because I thought they were friends. But hey, Kurt. I don't know how many friends Leah Michelle has anymore. But hey, she'll probably win a Tony. Adele Dazeen. Might still be friends. Not sure. Jonathan Groff, yes. I think they're friends. I was listening to our old highlights of Tudoring Cinema. Where you were talking about... Oh, The Matrix. Speaking of trends. I go to The Matrix Matrix. like, why? If Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris in the same movie, (laughs) why isn't a big gay dance sing-along? Yeah. Disappointing. I missed your opportunity, Lily. Yeah, there you go. I think it's great that they showed Stonewall because that made me laugh because we were right about that. I I feel like we got some acknowledgement. Waiting. Um, I I think it was very interesting. They talked a lot about survival. Yes. And that word, like it wasn't a segment of the like how have you survived being a trans person? Wasn't a segment of the documentary. Yeah. But in a lot of just about everybody brought up, this is what I needed to do to survive, to survive. This was just survival. This was response to surviving. Yes. Which I think is a very queer thing. And particularly, they talked a lot about the stats of violence against trans people. It's a very trans thing to make decisions based on having to survive and be able to get through, which is tragic. Um, but I think they, I think they did that well in not making that a segment of the documentary. But it kept coming up. Yeah, I almost think... like everything that is to do with the transness and trans life. There's an element of deciding things based on survival. Yes. Overall, overall, it was great. And if anybody was like, "Why does representation matter?" and yada yada, I'd go watch this documentary, then come back and talk to me. Yeah, I think it. I think it, for me, felt like it took a lot of the arguments that I've heard in around in different places, and crystallised them into one two-hour thing. Mm, fabulous crystals, yeah. Good Swarovski. <laughs> it made me want to. You know what? When it was like, not many people know trans people, which is true. Yeah. I don't know a trans person. Then it made me. I feel, know one. Then it made me feel bad. Well, no, I don't know one. I don't... Okay. No, no, but, like, I know a couple. Okay. But it depends how you count no. Like, I worked with one a while ago. Right, okay. <laughs> In my day-to-day life... I know. I don't know anybody. No. That I know of. Um, 
Which means I don't know them. We used to sing in a choir with one. Yeah, well, I don't know them. Yeah. Um, That's what I mean. It depends what you count as knowing. I don't know any. It's my point. <laughs> but it, then it made me kind of feel bad. Like a bad gay. Like, I should know a trans person. Um, then any trans people listening that want to be yeah. friends with Brett? Then I was like, how do I go and meet someone? Terrible. Anyway. Um, but I also think... I, I, and I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but I don't like the idea of like, I should be friends with a trans person. No, yeah, I know. That's the other thing as well. Let's go and find a trans person. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm sorry. I don't have, I've, I've got enough friends. Unless you're trans. Yeah, yeah. I, I need, I need, um, I'm trying to fill my I've roster. I've got a straight cis man. I've yeah. got a straight cis yeah. woman. I've got this. I've got a gay brother. I've got an opening for a trans person. An opening for a trans person or a paraplegic. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that is not what we're doing. Oh no, that's not what I'm doing. Anyway, overall, I'm. Oh, I don't, how do I want to score this thing? Four. Uh, I'm just going to say a four as well. Four two five actually. Four point two five. It's a very well made documentary. Makes a lot of very good points, and it refers to a lot of. In terms of um, this is going to come up in a lot of the movies that we talk about making something that is in the mainstream and is telling queer stories into the mainstream. Yeah. I think it does that very well because people have watched Nip Tuck and Dirty Sexy Money. Yeah. People have watched Boys Don't Cry and it's won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. And The Crying Game. They might not have seen um, Transparent, Mm. but it brings up Transparent for them to watch. I thought it was interesting, you know, after they spoke about The Crying Game... Then they spoke about Ace Ventura. Yeah. And how terrible that was. And who thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, and then during that movie, the background music, they're playing the Crying Game song. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, then it's that thing as well. It's like you get that representation. Then you're open to yeah. Yeah. his take. Yeah. Like, you made a horror movie, you're open to be parodied by a Wayne brother, right? <laughs> it's that, that same kind of thing. So it's like, that is terrible. But people watch The Crying Game? It's like, yeah. silver lining, but terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's... Oh, I did feel for that, like... That guy was like, this is my favourite movie as a kid. Zeke, yeah, poor Zeke. Zeke, then, you know Zeke. He yeah. was on Survivor. Oh, right. He got outed as trans on Survivor. It was devastating. It was also fantastic television. Yeah. Which is, again, the thing. And I, I actually thought of that series of Big Brother. Where oh, where they... Maria he's gay. Was, Let's keep it... Oh. No, Maria, they'd sent, you know... There's, there's that, there was that TV show, There's Something About Maria. Something About Maria. And it was, was it a trans... Maria, was it? Uh, something about... Not the movie, There's Something About Maria. No, no, no. There's Something About... But she went into the Big Brother house as Maria. Yes. And then they had... We were all seeing whether the housemates would guess or work out that she was trans. There's Something About Miriam is a British television yeah. um, show. Yeah, that's her. And then she went into the Big Brother house. Wasn't there an Australian version? As Maria. And it was like, are the housemates going to work out that she's trans? And then what will happen when they do? Yeah. How will they react? Yeah. At the time, that was like peak television. Yeah. Early 2000s. Now we're like, oh. The thing I will say about that Survivor episode, though, they handled it very well. So it was the thing that was the tribe. And then one guy was like, he used it, who as a gay man, he used it to be like, you're like, you know, you're not being truthful with people. Yeah. And he goes, but wh- why haven't you told everyone that you're trans then? As it be to point like, you're lying to everyone. Yeah, yeah. And then there was this like awkward silence. And then the rest of the tribe was like, how the fuck could you say that? <laughs> Went off like, and it was like this and it was like this. And they so talked all the, about it. And the host, Jeff Probst, nailed it. And then they're all just he's like... He's quality host. And they were like, uh, so do we need a vote? And they're like, no, nah, Jeff, fuck off. <laughs> uh, not the host, the contestant's yeah, name yeah. Is Jeff. Anyway, it was a good television episode. Still hard that's, to watch, um, but anyway. That's good in that, like, 
Well, when it goes to the point of gay men not dealing with trans people very yes. well. Yeah. Um, he lost his job in okay. real life because of it. Yeah. Anyway. It's, um, I'll show that clip on there. <laughs> yeah. There was... Um, yeah, and there was really interesting within the documentary talk about disclosure. And yes. do you have to tell people that you're trans? Yeah. And that whole thing of like, you know, they, they showed clips from TV shows of, you know, guys reacting to suddenly finding out that their girlfriend used to be a man and whatever. And, and it's a really interesting, and obviously we don't have the answers. No. Thing of like, do you have to tell? Or when do you have to tell? And what's the obligation? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is interesting. And one of the people that they interviewed said, I hate the idea of disclosure. Yeah. Not the documentary, obviously, because no, they agreed the, to be it's filmed. Scored, it's scored quite well on that um, So that's, I think, an interesting debate. It's almost separate to the media representation. Yeah. So they didn't go into it too much in the doco, but that is very interesting in terms of how much you do need to disclose and how much, how much you have to deal with the other person's reaction to it as well. Yeah, what's the similar thing to coming out, but completely different? Well, yeah, no, I was thinking the same. Like, at what point do I tell someone that I've just met that I have a husband and not a wife? Yeah. Like, if I know someone for months and then I say husband, I'm, there's still a part of me that is a bit worried at how they're going to react. But after yes. a while, it's not reacting to the fact that I'm gay, it's reacting that I haven't told them earlier. Yeah, because there's some... in in people's minds, they feel that you should. Yeah, and they feel like that's something that they need to know because yeah. it's something that is different to the norm. Yeah. The majority, not norm. The norm. The majority. Ooh. Yeah. Um, all righty. So um, as we could continue to debate. This is our longest episode. Our longest so episode. We did a serious thing. Yeah. Um, watch our next episode. We'll be like, oh, that movie was shit. Next. <laughs> um, overall, I'm giving it a four and a half. Uh, overall, I'm going to 425. 425, all right. So that gives it a total of 37.75. Out of 50. Out of 50. That's pretty good. Is that the top? That is equal second. Birdcage is still the top. Birdcage is 38.5. Um, Disclosure now has 37.75, which is equal to Moonlight, um, which is... Yeah, Moonlight was good. I'm... So I'm surprised this beat Stonewall, actually. Um, <laughs> 16.5 is what Stonewall got. I, we have to, I have to find a movie that does worse than that. I don't know. It's not going to happen. No, I've looked at our list that we, we were made quite, before we, were we quite started. On st- <laughs> no, but so we should have been. So we should have been. It was terrible. Director of worst gay movie ever gets married. God, there we go again. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lee, I believe it is your choice for our next film. Okay, so... This film came up. It's it's been on our list. It's not fully intentional that I've gone from trans documentary to this film. Oh, uh, Ace Ventura. Fuck. Yeah. All right. In terms of this is the film I reckon in the documentary that they talked about the most positively. Birth of a Nation. <laughs> I think Boys Don't Cry next. Okay, good. Um, there was some very interesting things said in the documentary. I'm very much looking forward to seeing... I haven't seen it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Hilary Swank. I'm She's looking forward to good. seeing it as well. I've heard a lot about it. Oscar-winning Hilary Swank. Yes. So we shall see how that stacks up in our pride score. Yeah, so Boys Don't Cry next week on Rainbow Popcorn. Yes. All right. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Brett. Cinema! Which I don't know how to measure because one goes dash. on the bench and then another dashes into the glass and then one dash is little and one dash is big. Are we talking about bitters still? Yep. Jeez. Two Drink Cinema. A Two Brothers Entertainment Podcast. I'm Lee. And I'm Brett. We are two brothers reviewing movies two drinks at a time. Uh, Stephen would be very happy with it. Spielberg.
that is. Right. He's the director. Yes, I am. Of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Couple other things. Anything else? Yeah, okay. Join us as we discuss the old, the new, the classic, and the cult. Together, we drunkenly review some of the great and not so great big screen flicks. You know how in The Witches, the new one, we had Kristen Chenoweth? Yes. And she didn't sing. Yep. Why do we need Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan, Jonathan Groff in there? And they don't do some big gay dance Broadway number. I don't really understand it. Find us on the socials at Two Drink Cinema, on YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Cheers.